Tonight's topical treats. LED Zeppelin debut? Is it music or just a big bang? As a 7.0 Haiti, a new way to play cricket. And buy now a new empire game. Plus, coming up, Man Buys Hat headline of the year. Those are the headlines. So tell me, what's the word on the street? News bang, biting the hand that feeds the beast of ignorance. 1969. On this day in 1969, the world of music was rocked to its very core. Four young men, three quarters English and one quarter lemon, formed a band so loud they were banned from playing at libraries. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Led Zeppelin. Their self-titled debut album was unleashed on an unsuspecting America first, followed by a delayed release in Britain due to rationing. With influences ranging from blues to folk and back again, their sound was described as deafening by some, ear-splitting by others. They pioneered album-oriented rock, which involved drawing pictures on the covers and writing long songs about hobbits. Their impact on the music industry was seismic. They invented stadium rock, literally causing Wembley to shake with their thunderous riffs. The rest is history, or at least it would have been if it wasn't for all the noise. Fans flocked to see them play live, even though they couldn't hear themselves think afterwards. One such fan, Deaf Derek from Dagenham said, it was like my eardrums had been violated by angels. Led Zeppelin went on to define an era, inventing both album-oriented rock, for those who couldn't find the off button, and stadium rock, because no one could hear them indoors. Their influence can still be heard today in every air guitar solo played by middle-aged men everywhere. 2010. A devastating earthquake has rocked the Caribbean island of Haiti, killing over 100,000 people and leaving millions without a cocktail. Tragedy struck the Caribbean today as Mother Nature unleashed her fury on unsuspecting Haitians. A magnitude 7.0 megawatt earthquake, or mother of all tremors, hit the already impoverished nation, causing widespread devastation and a tsunami of panic. The epicenter, or Shaki Shaki Place, was located near Leogane, just 25 kilometers from Port Au Prince. Experts blame tectonic plates, those pesky geological crockery that never seem to be in the right place at the right time. Eyewitnesses described scenes of utter chaos as buildings collapsed like Jenga sets built by drunken gorillas. One survivor, Jean-Paul Dubois, said, It was like Armageddon meets Carnival, without the music or rum. Another local, Marie-Claude Fisher, added, I lost everything and accept my ability to speak in clichés. The international community has pledged aid in the form of blankets, bottled water and mixed metaphors. As for Haiti, they're left picking up the pieces and hoping they don't get a bill for the damages. 1554. 1554. And it's all going Southeast Asia. Bayanang, a man so Burmese he sacked Rangoon for fun, was busy building an empire larger than the GDP of Belgium. He gobbled up Shan states like they were going out of fashion, and Lan Zhang, more like Lan Gaunt. The Tungu dynasty reigned supreme under his iron fist until 1752 when it collapsed due to unpaid parking fines. 
His empire stretched further than an octogenarian's yoga pants, but it all came crashing down after his death in 1581. A local peasant, Ui Qing said, he was a great leader, but also a bit of a tyrant. One minute he'd be sharing rice with you, the next he'd have your head on a spike. The Tonggu dynasty reached its peak during his reign, but after his death, well, you know the rest, it fell down. But what a ride. A lesson to us all that even the mightiest empires can crumble like a poorly made Shangri-La. News bang, poking the bear of bullshit. Shakanaka Giles is here with the weather forecast. The southeast will greet the day with a gentle mist, like dew drops on cobwebs at dawn. A high of seven to southers, just enough to keep your breath frost-free. In the Midlands, you'll find a smattering of snowflakes, a bit like icing sugar on a Christmas cake. Temperatures around three dags, so make sure to wrap up. Now let's hop over to the northwest, where it's all about the winds. Imagine gusts as playful as a mischievous puppy, around 15 mammal peck. It'll be a brisk 6 degree sangs there. And finally, in Wales and Scotland, expect showers with a dash of drizzle. Perfect for tea and biscuits by the fireplace. Temperatures will range from 4 degrees to 6 degrees hoist. Hey, um, so, we, you, whether you're hitting hitting the slopes or snuggling by the hearth, stay warm and enjoy your weekend. And that's all the weather. Nineteen sixty-four. In 1964, the Zanzibar Revolution occurred, led by John O'Kello, resulting in the overthrow of Sultan Jamshid bin Abdullah and the end of Arab dominance in Zanzibar. This led to the proclamation of Zanzibar as a republic. Zanzibar is an archipelago in the Indian Ocean with its capital in Zanzibar City. Stone Town, located on the island of Unguja, is a World Heritage Site. Brian Bastable is standing next to the hole out of which the events are emerging. He reports from the scene. This, my friends, is the very mouth of hell and her name is Zanzibar. The year 1964, the month January, the day 12th. Hear me, O oh people of the future and despair. From this moment forth, you shall be plunged into a cauldron of blood and iron as Sultan Jamshid bin Abdullah falls to the howling fury of his own people led by the demon incarnate John Okello. Behold, as I stand amidst the burning wrecks of what was once a glorious reign, you can still smell the stench of Arab domination curling out from every stone and alleyway in this blasted heath known as Stone Town on the island Unguja. Hear now as salvos of bullets crack through the sky like a thousand whips lashing at the very soul of decency and order, heralding in an age where chaos walks with proud step among us and tyranny writhes like a serpent in our midst, eating away at all that we hold dear. I am your humble servant Brian Bastable standing here in front of you amidst firestorms which dance upon these ancient streets as if they were some grotesque parody of merriment on New Year's Day, yet without joy or hope for tomorrow. This is not just history unfolding before our eyes. 
It is an omen given flesh. The ghostly shape of mankind's darker instincts unleashed upon this innocent land to feed its insatiable appetite for destruction and despair. So listen closely, ye denizens of whatever age has granted you passage through its fleeting existence. Brace yourselves against this gathering tempest that threatens to consume all that stands between us and oblivion, for today marks but one more step down into that abyssal pit known as war. And yes indeed, welcome once more to your daily apocalypse news report from yours truly covering every inch of this ballistic playground they simply call Zanzibar. 2010. In 2010, Iranian physicist Masood Ali Mohammadi was assassinated. He was a distinguished professor of elementary particle physics at the University of Tehran, one of the best universities in the Middle East. Tehran University of Medical Sciences is also highly ranked and offers a wide range of degree programs. Now let's hear from Ken Shit on the story. Good evening, you fucking degenerates. We're taking a trip back to the year 2010, when the world was a different place. A place where a brilliant Iranian physicist named Masood Ali Mohammadi was brutally assassinated. This wasn't some random act of violence, folks. This was cold-blooded murder carried out by those who fear knowledge and progress. Masood Ali Mohammadi was a distinguished professor of elementary particle physics at the University of Tehran, one of the best universities in the Middle East. He dedicated his life to expanding our understanding of the universe, but his quest for knowledge made him a target. The University of Tehran is more than just a place of learning. It's a beacon of hope in a region plagued by conflict and oppression. But even in this hallowed institution, darkness lurks. Those who seek to suppress knowledge and stifle progress will stop at nothing to achieve their twisted goals. This murder sends a chilling message to scientists and intellectuals around the world. Your pursuit of knowledge is not safe. It's time to stand up and fight back against those who seek to keep us in the dark ages. We must honor Masood Ali Mohammadi's memory by continuing his work and pushing the boundaries of human knowledge. Let his death be a catalyst for change, not despair. Let it inspire us to fight for truth, justice and freedom. This is Ken Shit signing off from Newsbang. May Masood Ali Mohammadi rest in peace, but let his legacy live on. Newsbang. The truth will out, but the lies will crawl. Penelope Windchime, an environmental correspondent who loves to share stories about nature and its resilience. She has a poetic way of describing events and often uses metaphors and similes to make her points. Ah, the earth, our delicate blueberry in the cosmic fruit salad, did tremble with sorrow on this day in 2010. A 7.0 quake, a furious shudder from Gaia's spine, did ravage Haiti near Leo Gain. Over 100,000 souls were embraced by the soil they once tenderly trod upon. The seismic moment, a term as elusive as the whisper of a shy mole, measured the earth's anguished cry. Rewind time to 1899, when men were men and boats were, well, hefty. The Lynmouth lifeboat station heaved their 10-ton nautical steed across 15 miles of England's green and pleasant humps 
to rescue a schooner as damaged as my grandmother's lace doily. This vessel, with sails like the wings of an albatross caught in a zephyr, was saved by sheer brawn and British pluck. And so we sail through history's tempests and quakes, ever reminded by these tales that nature's script is one of both awe and tragedy. I'm Penelope Windchime, and may your days be evergreen and your nights filled with starlight whispers. It is a situm. 2007. Calamity Prenderville is here to discuss the extraordinary comet event in 2007, Comet McNaught. She'll take us through its significance and the science behind it. This is a fascinating journey into the past, so stay tuned. Well, strap on your stargazing goggles and prepare for a celestial spectacle, because today, in history, back in the groovy year of 2007, Comet McNaught blazed into our skies like a cosmic firework, discovered by British space enthusiast Gordon McNaught, using his trusty binoculars and a bit of that legendary British ingenuity. This icy interloper became the brightest comet seen from Earth in over four decades. Now, comets are like the universe's rock stars. They love a grand entrance, and McNaught was no exception, as it sashayed towards the sun for its perihelion, that's its closest approach for those not fluent in astrobabble, it put on quite the show. It was so bright that folks could spot it without a telescope, just by popping their heads out the window in the southern hemisphere. But what's really fascinating is how these celestial snowballs get their glow on. When they nip past the sun, they shed their icy exteriors faster than a pop star changes costumes, releasing gases and dust that shimmer and shine like glitter at a disco. And let's talk about apparent magnitude. That's how we measure a star's sparkle. The lower the number, the brighter the object. And our friend McNaught was flashing an apparent magnitude brighter than some of the stars in the Big Dipper. That's like turning up to a party in sequins when everyone else is wearing beige. So while Comet McNaught may have been discovered with good old-fashioned British elbow grease and a dollop of luck, it left us with memories as enduring as those classic 80s hits. Who needs neon lights when you've got comets lighting up your night sky? Remember folks, keep your eyes peeled because you never know when the next big show will streak across our cosmic dance floor. This is Calamity Prenderville from Newsbang, reminding you to keep watching the skies. News bang, taking the wheel of truth and steering it straight. Presenting the Queen of Royal Repertage, the Princess of Palace Proceedings, the Duchess of Dynastic Drama, Sandy O'Shaughnessy. Nice and easy. Uh, and a very good evening to you all. Welcome, welcome, and thrice welcome to the regal realms of Sandy O'Shaughnessy's historical soiree. As the sun dips below the horizon and paints the skies in hues of pink and orange, let's take a journey back in time to explore the reigns of two mighty monarchs. Ah. <laughs> now, if we travel back to 1554, we find ourselves in Myanmar, where Bayinaung sat on the throne of the Tungu dynasty, a king so grand that he assembled an empire larger than life itself. Imagine trying to organize a family reunion with that many cousins, 
But Bainang did it. He ruled over modern-day Myanmar, Shan states, Lanna, Lansang, Manipur, and Siam. Quite a resume for any ruler. Ah. <laughs> and speaking of resumes, back in 475 AD, we find ourselves in Constantinople with Basiliscus. Now there's a name that rolls off the tongue like honey. He became emperor after Zeno fled town like a bat out of hell. Ah. <laughs> and while his reign was far from smooth sailing, what with an invasion of the Vandal Kingdom costing him a small fortune in gold, Basiliscus did manage to retreat gracefully into the Church of St. Sophia before calling it quits in Neapolis. Ah. <laughs> the Byzantine Empire was quite the operation during Basiliscus' time, centered around Constantinople and packed with more history than you can shake a stick at. Ah. <laughs> Why does I doubt? Yes, I tough him. As I sit here pondering these royal figures from days gone by, I can't help but wonder what stories they would have shared over dinner or while watching their respective empires unfold before their eyes. Perhaps they would have traded tales about their favorite horses or discussed their preferred methods for dealing with rebellious subjects. Or maybe they would have bonded over their shared love for building empires that could rival even the most ambitious soap opera storylines. Huh? Empty sack. But alas, these are questions we may never know the answers to. All we can do is marvel at their legacies and try to imagine what it must have been like to live during their times. So until next time, when we embark on another historical adventure together, remember, life is but a tapestry woven from threads of history and personal experience alike. Keep those letters coming, and as always, see you later, alligator. In a while, Crocodile, from your old mate, Sandy O'Shaughnessy, signing off. The year is 1969, and the world of music has been set ablaze by the unholy union of blues, folk, and sheer audacity. Led Zeppelin's eponymous debut album has crash-landed in the United States, leaving a trail of shattered eardrums and bewildered parents in its wake. The British Quartet, helmed by the enigmatic Jimmy Page, has single-handedly redefined the landscape of rock music. And now to delve deeper into this musical maelstrom, we turn to our resident culture correspondent, Smithsonian Moss. Now at this point of the evening, we welcome listeners on FM who've just joined us. Waho, my groovy brethren and sistren. It's your girl, Smithsonia Moss, here to take you on a trip down memory lane to the psychedelic era of 1969. You know, the year when we all collectively said, hey, let's try this new thing called rock and roll. Guess what, folks? That's right. We're talking about the legendary Led Zeppelin. You know, the band that made it cool to be a rock star and look like a hairy, grungy, drug-addicted monster? Yeah, those guys. But let's get down to the nitty-gritty people. In January 1969, these badass dudes dropped their debut album in the U.S. And let me tell you, it was like the musical equivalent of a nuclear bomb. It was like the WAP of its time, and we were all like, Yes, Queen. Now, I know what you're thinking, Smithsonia, what's so special about this album? Well, my friends, let me break it down for you. This album was like the foundation of hard rock and heavy metal. 
It was like the blueprint for all the headbanging, mosh pit-inducing music that we know and love today. And you know what else? Led Zeppelin's music was like a melting pot of influences. They drew from blues, folk, and even a little bit of that funky stuff. It was like the ultimate musical buffet, and we were all like, gimme more, please. But let's not forget about the impact that Led Zeppelin had on the music industry. They were like the pioneers of album-oriented rock and stadium rock. It was like the dawn of the age of rock. And we were all like, raise your lighters and let's rock this place. So, there you have it, my people. Led Zeppelin's debut album was like the ultimate game-changer in the world of music. It was like the soundtrack to our wild and crazy lives. And we were all like, yeah, baby, let's rock and roll. And that's all for today, my groovy brethren and sistren. Keep it tuned to Newsbang for more culture updates, and don't forget to grab your lighters and get ready to rock this place. Waho! Newsbang, truth's trumpet blowing loud and clear. Time now for a look at tomorrow's front pages. The Times, Brits conquer Peter's fort, and yes, they really did. The Telegraph, cash at Folsom, the only man standing. The Independent, Lone survivor retreats from Kabul. And finally, the Lemington Crab. Same man buys second hat. Keep watching Newsbang for up-to-the-minute coverage of the sort of things that make the news fit to print. But only just. And that's it. Toodles. Tune in next time for more artificially intelligent hilarity. Newsbang is a comedy show written and recorded by AI. All voices impersonated. Nothing here is real. Good night.